this morning is a uh, a very challenging passage for us. We're in Colossians chapter 2. We're looking at verses 8 through 10. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. <clears throat> Uh, before we get started in, into the study here, I'd just like you to give thought to this. Most all of us, we grow up in this life and in this world, in our country, and we have no understanding of what it's like to have a child abducted, kidnapped, taken. And there's children all over the world that are kidnapped, that are abducted, either to hold them for ransom, for money, or to have them for sex and sex trade. It's a bigger problem than we understand. It's worldwide. And it's a, it's a great concern. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, if, if you've never, you know, I've never had that kind of thing happen to me where I'm taken by someone or I'm even hijacked, you know, and someone, you know, just takes off and I'm, I'm kind of locked in their car or something. Um, but what we're dealing with in our passage today has implications of it in a spiritual sense. And the, the concern spiritually is that you or yours would not get kidnapped by false teaching or not get abducted by error that you wouldn't be taken captive. And that's the idea. That's what Paul says here. That's the concern. And so today, last week we did the believer's safety steps. And we just kind of said, let's let's understand this. Um, You don't want to fall prey to sound, uh, um, slick sounding teaching, uh, false teaching. You don't want to fall prey to that. So what's the key? Walk in Christ. That's what he talked about in Colossians 2, 1 through 7. Okay? Be aware, it's going to be out there, and you be aware, Christian. And so, the, the first idea is safety steps. Walk in Christ now. Well, now we shift to something more challenging and in a deeper sense. And it really applies to you high school graduates here this morning, but it obviously applies to all of us as Christians but in a special case to you who are graduating and moving on. And we'll get to that here this morning. But the idea in our outline this morning, in our study, is that of uh, dealing with, here's the believer's safety standards. This is more, this is deeper now. Now we're getting into saying, okay, not just safety steps and make sure you're going to, you know, be careful how you walk, but here's the manual, so to speak, for uh, the, the safety code. And you better know it and you better follow it because there's dangers that we're dealing with in a spiritual sense. I'd like to think that, you know, our church and our ministry, the teaching ministry, not just on the Sunday mornings, but in the Sunday schools, in the home Bible studies, etc., etc., are sound teaching. I'd like to think that. I'd like to believe that. I believe it is. But it's always a challenge for us to be Bereans and make sure what you've heard, even if from the Apostle Paul, that what you've heard, you're going to examine it with what? The Word. 
you check it out with the Word. Okay? And so, we move into, it's point number two in your outline. Point number one is basically just a review from last week. Point number two is the believer's safety standards. And letter A is dealing with, you've got to identify all potential threats. If you're, if you're running a big corporation or a big uh, building with a big you know, production line or whatever, you've got to make sure safety things are in order. They better be, or you, you can get shut down. <laughs> yeah, you've you got to watch it. If you don't run by the safety code, you might get fired. All sorts of things. And so companies, if, you know, really highly esteem the, the, here's the safety, here's the safety record. How many days we've not had any accidents? Well, in a much more important, much deeper way is the concern about our souls regarding spiritual, um, safety standards. And here's this idea of, uh, being aware of the false teaching that's going on. And so letter A is you start by identifying all potential threats. Listen to Colossians 2. Follow along in your Bible. Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it, or beware, or watch out, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in Him... All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Okay? Very, uh, it's, a, it's like, it's a brief passage, but wow, what a punch that it packs here. And in a, in a way of guardianship, in a way of safety and concern, we must listen to this uh, this cry of warning, beware, watch out, that no one takes you captive. And so we must identify all possible threats. And what's a threat? Anything that would take you captive. I mentioned it in Sunday school this morning. And I hope that if you're not coming to Sunday school, next Sunday, adults, you bring your children, you come to Sunday school, we're going to talk about the essence of the gospel next Sunday that's critical for us in being able to share the gospel Next Sunday in the Fellowship Hall. But here he's saying, don't let anyone take you captive. And folks, listen, this is the heart of the letter to the Colossians. Right here is the heart, the heart of it. Okay? Spiritual intruders were trying to subvert the gospel by offering something extra to faith in Christ. And Paul, right here, here's the heart of it. He's saying, watch out for that. Don't you get caught up in that. Don't you get captive by that. And then he says, and here's, here's the treasure that you lock in with. Here's the treasure that you, you grab hold of. And, and you, you go with, here's, here's Jesus Christ. Now, in the... Um, in the Sunday morning, in the Sunday school time this morning, I mentioned that Jesus was the one who started giving warnings about wolves in sheep's clothing, about false teaching. Okay? He's the one that started by giving it in the New Testament. And then from there, almost every epistle will have a warning therein. 
Why? Because there's this constant issue of here's false teaching that's going to pop up in one way or another. Okay? So, I don't, you know, thinking over the years now, here's where we bring in some of this for the high school graduates. Thinking over the years, we've had a lot of young people kind of pass through these gates, did the same thing that you did this morning. Walked up here, um, hey, way to go, you know, Bible from the church. Why do we give the Bible? There's really no better gift. You might have 10 of them at home already, so give them out, you know. <laughs> but the main thing is get to know it. And by the way, all of us get to know the Word of God. We've got to, we've got to know the Word of God, Okay. But the, the thing I, I think back on is how many years we've seen young people walk up here saying, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I, I want to live for him. And then they get out in the, you know, whatever college or whatever career and it's like something's happened and they're, they've lost the zeal, they've lost the desire. There's like, eh, there's something better out there. And they've gone after it. And this passage and... Those of us that, you know, we, we want to pray for you, we want to encourage you, don't let that happen. And we, we too, that are staying here, we have to, you know, go after the same thing. We, we need to be desiring Christ and His growth in our lives and, and, and being committed to Him in our, in our walk. But there's threats. Listen, there are threats that want to take you captive in your life. And those of you that are going to a Christian college or those of you that have been at a Christian college, it's, it's there also. It's not like it's because it's a Christian college, it's, it's going to be, you know, you're going to be immune from it. You're going to have threats that would take you captive. And we just can't express it enough how important this is because many lives, many, too many to count, have just, in essence, what what seems like walked away from the faith. Maybe they were never saved. And a lot of you people, you know of what I'm saying. You know of what I'm referring to. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't return, you know, repent and return and, can, you know, get walking with the Lord again. That's what we need to pray for. When we hear of something like that, we need to just say, Lord, please help them to return to you. Help them to see the error of that way and to come back and bow before you and walk with you. But here's some of the things that come up as threats. And it's mentioned here in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through what? Philosophy. Now, that, what that does not mean is just normal, general philosophy. What's the matter with philosophy? Nothing's wrong with philosophy. It's okay. Philosophy is a love for wisdom. Okay? Just generally speaking, that's fine. But it's in the context of what he's saying. Philosophy defined by emptiness. Vanity. Look at it. Let no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deception. It's when there's a, when there's a, um, the truth of God is devoid from this philosophy. 
you know, there's some great Christian philosophers out there. I know of one that I, you know, read back in college days. Uh, haven't read much of them lately, but Francis Schaeffer. What a philosopher. And what a, a work he put together in his book, How Shall We Now Then Live? And he was able to put together some historical issues and show the void of man, the emptiness of man in the continuing realm of art, in the continuing realm of science and all. Okay? And Francis Schaeffer demonstrates that in his work. And he's saying, look at art. You know, maybe you go and study art. Uh... But he was able to, to kind of string this together and show, here's the, the decline in art. He did the same thing with music. He looked at music. And he said, consider the decline of music over the years. Where now, in some ways, music that is chaotic and confusing and with no rhythm or whatever, is considered music? Really? Really? And yes, our culture says, well, sure, that's music. But there's no rhythm, there's no beat or something, whatever. It just is it's a mess of notes and such, noises. It's when philosophy goes AWOL and, and kind of puts God out of the picture, right? Well... So not just the philosophies, but defined by empty deceits. That's what the philosophies are driven by. And, and what they're driven by, you see it in verse, verse 8. Look at it. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. According to the elementary principles of the world. See, that's what's driving it. Here's the, here's the human traditions. Now, those even can be religious traditions. There's a lot of churches that hang on to religious traditions. I mean, I'm sure we could, you know, say even here, you know, Parkside Bible Fellowship, we've got traditions that we follow, you know. But we have to evaluate, are these religious traditions that we're kind of holding on to, are they kind of crossing a line that says we're not really trusting Christ, we're really trusting tradition? It's a challenge for us. We've got to examine that. Human traditions, uh, religious ones or otherwise. What about the elementary principles of the world? The King James says the rudiments uh, or meaning the basics of... Um, and the word is like, here are the ABCs, the basics of, of this world. And all that's getting at, folks, is this. It's driving more at... what's. What's the basics of this world? The principles of this life in, in, in man's perspective? All it is is man-centeredness. You students have already been challenged regarding evolution. All that's saying is it's about man and it will finish with man. The survival of the fittest. That's, that's what he's talking about. This kind of thing. Don't be caught captive by that. And then when he goes to talk about Christ, realize, here's the connection. It's about creation, not evolution. And see, that's a philosophy that's, you know, got 
it's been unplugged from God. So, other man-centered basics. And folks, we, we see it all over the place. We see it in the news. We see it in entertainment. All over. Okay, so, here we have the evolution of our president. Okay, you with me? We've got the evolutionary process of our president. Thinking over, here's the... The way it is now. Here's what he would suggest. It's personal, but here's what he's saying. Well, and and now, uh, interesting timing. Interesting timing, not just with the election, but interesting timing on the part of the entertainment world. Oh, now is another. Here's another opportunity to put forth a a, a sitcom for this fall. And it'll be the, the new normal. The new normal meaning two, you know, two homosexuals having a family. And yes, folks, listen, we, we must maintain a Christ-like attitude and um, visibility, an, a Christ-like visibility to homosexuals. We must the, the, the church world can tend to, you know, point the nasty, mean finger. And we, we've got to think through this. And there's a lot of arguments regarding it. But listen, what is Paul saying? Don't get caught captive. Don't get caught captive by these philosophies, these empty deceits. They're empty, they're vain. It's all just, this is man. Man takes, grab a things and hold of things. He, he boots out God from the equation and he says, hey, here's the end of it. Man's going to rule the day, you know, in the end. And I know you folks don't believe that, but I think it's important to just raise it and bring it out and put it out there in front of us, especially with our young people, to make sure all of us understand where it ought to be. You know, I think of my school days in the 60s and being used to showing up to prayer, I mean, to a to classroom and, and pray. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that our country was a righteous, God-fearing country back then. We had something in action, something in, in the game mix, and we could read. We, I mean, we could pray, read the Bible, things like that. But as the leadership moved in such a way to say, yeah, there's got to be a separation here of, of church and state, it just gradually, you know, more and more left God out of the picture. And thus, why do we wonder? Why do we wonder why children today are the way they are, that are not going to church, that are not hearing about Jesus, that are not hearing about salvation. They're growing up in a godless education system. They're in a godless home. And thus we, we need to be a light in dark city. We need to be a light shining forth. 
and not just to be a good, you know, a good people, but a gospel people. Okay? It's got to be that way. Because if we're just another good group of people, we're not going to make a difference. We're just going to join in with all sorts of other people that are just really nice people. But we've got to make a difference for the gospel, for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so we want to keep on promoting children's ministries. In hopes that, you know, we can see parents come along too. Again, Vacation Bible School is coming up. You know, please be of help in that. Please come. Maybe it's only a couple of nights. If it's not the whole week, just come. Be involved. Be praying. We do want to, you know, continue on with having an adult time, you know, for those adults that come and want to be involved and kind of hear what's going on. We're going to have that kind of a session for adults, but it's about the children that week. And pray that God would speak to their little hearts and help them to see Jesus high and lifted up. So, get back to these threats, their philosophies, their vain, empty deceits, and they are out there. And if you're not asking the Lord for His guidance, and if you're not walking with the Lord on a regular basis, you will get captivated by the wrong kind of thing. So, what's the response? Well, the idea is to activate all power outlets, letter 2B in your, in your outline. Activate all the power outlets. And really, that boils down to two things, truth and wisdom. Truth and wisdom. Jesus claimed to be the truth. He said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But modern man, listen, modern man has gone after and followed the path of Pilate. What did Pilate do when he was with Jesus? Dialoguing, not just on the surface, talking about some interesting issues. And we have in John chapter 18, you can mark it down as a reference, John chapter 18. And in verse 30, starting at verse 35, Pilate said, I'm, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. What is he talking about there? To be the king of all things, and you included. To be your king. But notice what Pilate says. Well, Jesus goes on to say, everyone who is of the truth, not just truth, but of the truth, hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, you know what he said. What is truth? And that's what we've bought into. That's what America has bought into. So what's truth? 
you know, ask anybody here and well, that's your truth. Good for you. That's your truth. Good for you. And all the while, Jesus said, whoever hears. What does he say there? Whoever. Is of the truth, hears my voice, he equates it with himself. Because why? He said back in John 14, 12, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we must how do we how do we translate that to ourselves? Jesus said it in John chapter 8, abide in my word. You Show that you're my disciples. And then he said, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the more and more, the momentum, my friends, the momentum issue, you you get going in the word of God more and more and more. You're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then secondly, wisdom, it's God's perspective on life. Um, Many of you, you, you go off to school, you go off to college, and you're going to get a perspective that is, is just, here it is. It's, it's all about man, and it ends with man, and it's, there it is. And you've got to think beyond that, outside of that, you've got to think to saying, but wait a minute, what does God say in his word? And it would be wonderful to get flooded with phone calls or emails or texts uh, for myself or, or Brennan today, hey, you believe it? My professor said this. You know, and then if you're at UNR, I know a, a number of are going to UNR, you know, connect with each other. Connect with, you know, a good Bible study. Connect with a good church. You must have that input there. And then the issue of wisdom, it's, it's God's word is wise. God says that himself in his word. Psalm 19, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 31. The, the whole book of Proverbs gives that. The, uh, Proverbs chapter 8 talks about the personification of wisdom and that being Jesus. Jesus is your wisdom. So, if not, if you don't activate truth and wisdom in this, you... You, if you're saying you're a professing Christian, if you're not pursuing and applying the truth of God, you leave yourself wide open to be take, being taken captive, being caught, being spiritually hijacked by false teaching. Listen, it's Nostalgia Day. All right. So here is a book that I slaved over in college. And um, this book is a New Testament Greek for beginners. But I didn't bring it for that. I brought it because of who wrote it. Listen to this. This book, studied by many Bible students throughout all sorts of colleges, was written by J. Gresham Machen. J. Gresham Machen. All the Big authors go by their initial, you know, uh, S. Dale Swenson. No, I know. Um, <laughs> got it in. Oh, well. Um, so anyway, J. Gresham Machen. He was, uh, back in the 1920s, got this book published. And you know what? 
What did I say? Anyway, he put this book together. But then where he was, he was at Princeton. You try and go to Princeton and find a guy like Jay Gresham Machen now, you'll be looking and looking and looking because you won't find him. You won't find a man of kindred spirit like him teaching openly of the Bible. Princeton followed the way of many other institutions. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because it fits with this idea of the Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Okay? I don't know how many institutions got started in America plenty that started on God's word, based in God's word with God's men and, you know, teaching God's word. But slowly and gradually, they all faded away. And thus, new ones got to, you know, had to get started up. But all, most all the Ivy, school, Ivy League schools started on a rock-solid foundation. But slowly and gradually, they were all taken captive through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men. And thus J. Gresham Machen left Princeton Seminary. And it's, it's got a, a chokehold on our world. It started with education. And that's where the chokehold got going. Leaving God out. And so you and I do well to say, what is truth? Jesus. Starts there. Jesus. You say, but I thought it started with creation. Yes, Jesus at creation. Yes. Let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a God-centered creation view so yeah we've got to activate these power outlets so to speak that point us to Jesus Christ then under number two letter C is the point of draw upon the treasure of Christ if we look again in Colossians he said you got to beware beware of this You be taken captive through philosophy, through empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than, here's the pivot, rather than according to Christ. Okay? Now, it's not like you're going to go off to college, young person, and change uh, the whole uh, approach to education at, at your particular institution. <laughs> you know, you're not going to do that. But you need to make sure things in your own heart, in your own mind, are set and squared with what Jesus is teaching and what the Word of God teaches. So I say that Christian phrase, draw upon the treasure of Christ, number 2C. What is, how do you do that? How do you do it? Sounds good. How do you draw upon the treasure of Christ? Well, look at verse 9 and 10. Look at it. Follow along. He's saying, rather than according to Christ, for in Him 
All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. Who are we talking about here? What are we doing? And a, a lot of us just... I, I, I wonder, are we just playing a game? A church? Read that. Look at it. Let it sink in. In Him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. What do some of the philosophies of this world want to do? Say, oh, no, 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 no. Let's not go there. And now he's a good man. You know, and maybe he became God on the cross. No, he had the fullness of deity dwelling in his body. And it wasn't just a phantom thing. It was a real thing. He was fully man, fully God. So, how do we draw upon the treasure of Christ? Number one, continually assess the value of Christ. Continually assess the value of Christ. What does that mean? Well, spend more time in the Gospels. Spend more time reading about Jesus. We say we love Jesus. Do you really know Jesus? According to the Gospels, do you know Jesus? Are you getting to know him better and better? Do you know what he's saying in his word? Do you know what he said to the Pharisees, to the sick and the hurting? Do you know how he responded? Get to know him more and more through reading the Gospels. And then continue to assess the value of Christ that it far surpasses anyone. You know what the problem is? I'll put it first person here. I typically want to assess my value and my worth in a situation. I want, I want to uh, feel that, you know, pat on the backs, you know, wow, that was really good, this, that, that, or whatever. Or Woody's this way. You know, there's a constant push for me to assess my own value. And thus, why do we figure there's all sorts of relationship problems and strife, stress Strife, stress, combine those two words. <laughs> Why do we have the stress? It's because, in, in relationships, it's because it's more about my little agenda or my kingdom and not about Christ. It's a constant thing. That's why I say continually assess the value of Jesus Christ. You know, and if it's not about me and my value, maybe I'm off looking at worldly things, you know, and their trumped up value. And what am I doing? Listen, I'm looking for satisfaction in my life. And that's a constant issue. I want to be satisfied. And somehow with my pride, I, I want to put it on the church too. You have to take it in your own thinking and translate this. Are you looking for satisfaction in something else? Yeah, I, I'm glad to have a, a nice house and a, you know, I'm glad to have a grass front yard. You know, all those, those, yeah, it's okay. But is Christ getting dragged down? I think that's what's happening a lot of times. Draw upon the treasure of Christ. Continually assess the value of Christ. Number two, continually affirm that I am complete in Him. 
I must affirm that. If I'm saying I'm a believer, I've got to keep coming back to the fact that I'm complete in Him. Listen, we live in a fallen world, in an incomplete world. And man is in a state of rebellion, in a state of incomplete. He's incomplete. And thus, his, he's not having fellowship with God. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, now you have access to having fellowship with God. And because of Christ, you can affirm that I am complete in Him. I'm complete. Why? Because Christ did it for you. Christ accomplished all that was needed, all that was necessary. He accomplished it for you. But there's way too many people, and maybe some right here in our congregation, that keep looking for something else, being open for something else, something new, something exciting. Once a person comes to Jesus to believe in Him alone, by faith alone, and in His work of salvation, He's made complete. Believer, you are complete because of Christ. And you can enjoy full fellowship with God. You can walk in His will. You can know the joy that He gives. You can know the peace that He gives. And yet... I'm still tempted, I'm still tempted to go pursuing something else for satisfaction, for fulfillment. And it's evidence of my own fallen condition or my my culture's influence and listening to the voices in our hearts to go after this or go after that starts watering down the gospel message, the, the truth and the treasure of Jesus Christ. So, I need to draw upon the treasure of Christ. Doing that by assessing His value, by lifting up Him, and by affirming, I am complete in Him. And as we come to the conclusion here, it's not merely some religious theme for Sundays. It's not just a religious theme for Christmas or Easter, but rather to be the very theme in all aspects of my life, of your life, You know, I know that you go off to college and you might have to share a room, you know, with someone. <laughs> you, you get a, a roommate. You pray that they're, you know, going to work out really well. <laughs> Sometimes they don't. But, you know, listen, listen. God, Jesus, Jesus never intended to have a, you know, a roommate kind of situation with others in you. He, don't, he doesn't want to be a co-tenant in your life with other, other situations, other things. Remember Lord of the Rings? Gollum? What was he? He was always, my precious, my precious. And yeah, it, it's, we kind of laugh about it, but you know what? There's a real lesson in that. And you leave, 
and you go off and if you're not careful, you're saying, I, I believe in Jesus. But if you're not careful, you're going to be grabbing a hold of something and saying, my precious, my precious. Don't get caught doing that. Let's not, let's not exemplify that. Let's exemplify. Here's what we found is here's the treasure of Jesus Christ in our lives. So God never intended to be a co-tenant in your life. Think about it. What kind of Lord, what kind of Savior is Jesus? What kind is He? And the best answer to that question is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so, Paul puts it like this. If we could take this kind of a freedom. We're looking at this passage, and he's saying, look, there is... No substitute for Christ. That's basically what he's saying here in verse 9 and 10. There's no substitute and there's no supplement to Christ. There's no supplement to Christ either. That's how great a God he is. That's how great a Savior he is. He can do it all. But we go after other things, figuring that's where I'll get my satisfaction because I've seen somebody else do that and I, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to go after it. No. Let's be a people that learn. God, help us to learn. Please, O oh Lord, to learn to go after Christ and Christ alone in all the situations that we face. I realize this is more than a challenge to our, our graduating seniors. It's a challenge to me. It ought to be a challenge to all of us. Am I substituting something for Jesus? Am I supplementing something in, in that case? And as many have come to figure out, the equation for life in Christ is, many have mentioned this in the past, Jesus plus blank equals blank. What do you think that is? It's right there in your outline. Here's the equation for life. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Therefore, if that's true, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, then I, I, I am. I, I can go to the Father and call Him Abba. Daddy, I, I trust Him. And so the idea behind what Paul is laying out here in Colossians is beware Beware of any thinking or teaching that suggests you need something along with Jesus or something more than Jesus or something else than Jesus. You know, we're not going to get to heaven. Those of us that are believers in Jesus, we're not going to get to heaven and find out that Jesus is going to, you know, give us a, a, a secret there. Say, you know, is really, you know, Billy Graham really, I, I have to give kudos to Billy Graham here. You know, he's not going to do that. He's not going to turn to whatever Bible teacher and say, you know, uh, boy, uh, Charles Swindoll, gee, I couldn't have done it without him. 
Heaven is about Jesus. There's a writer that said, I I don't remember who it is right off the top of my head right now, but if God wasn't in heaven, would you want to go there? You've got to let that one sink in a little bit. Let's put it this way. If Jesus wasn't there in heaven, would you want to go? We've got to understand, my friend, that the Christian life is about Jesus and his, his gospel, his grace. It's not about philosophies or empty deceptions. It's not about church attendance. You know, and there's a lot of things. I'm not even mentioning them all, but there's a lot of things that you and I somehow get into the mix and feel better because I feel better because I, I think God's given me some more favor because of this. God's, God's blessed me more because of this. And we're going off on the Colossian heresy by doing that and by thinking that. Yes, we need help. We need help to, to fight this off, to understand um, there's plenty of threats out there regarding the spiritual life. Are you alert to them? And if you say you are alert to them, it's because of Jesus and, and what he's doing and what he is about and who he is. So... We're very grateful for you high school seniors. And we want to be praying that God will keep you in his will, in his will walking, that you will make those wise choices. And it does. It comes down to making choices that will honor him. And I guarantee it. You'll have plenty of tests. I'm not talking about classroom tests. I'm talking about tests to your stand, to your desire to please Him. Heavenly Father, we bow before You and we say uh, we are truly a, a frail, weak people and yet You have done so many wonderful things, Lord Jesus. And we, we lift You up and we praise You and we want to be walking with You and we want to walk in Christ And Lord, we pray that we would always remember that it's not a matter of all these uh, philosophies that get thrown around, especially like in the college classroom, in the college campus. Lord, it's a matter of us getting away with Jesus, getting away with you, spending time with you, hearing you, um, hearing what the gospels say about you. And drawing near to you. How great you are. And Lord forever and ever and ever you alone will receive praise. Help us now to be giving you praise. Even if there's hard times. Even if there's perplexing times. Help us to give you praise. We thank you that you have won the victory. And uh, we're, we're so grateful to you for your perfect work at Calvary. Please grow us in our faith. Help us to humble ourselves and keep looking to you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.